Welcome everyone today. This is Kelly. Hello. Um, this is this is Ani. I'm very excited okay. for today's topic. A raf for Lisi. A raf for Lisi. If I if I ever were to uh do I even want to say that? <laughs> is that disrespectful? <laughs> A raf for Lisi. Elron Hubbard. No, okay, we're gonna cut that part out. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Why is that disrespectful? Because, <laughs> like, I don't know. Some people are Scientologists and, like, I don't know. Wait, but oh what? My is, God. I, don't, I literally don't know. ARAF, why is that? Because L. Ron Hubbard was the one <laughs> who started Scientology. And Michael, I'm going to be ARAF for Lisi. Oh, gotcha. And all my books are going to be signed ARAF for Lisi. Also, that's I think we should keep this in. <laughs> it's disrespectful because some people are scientologists it's true some people are scientologists yeah and i respect them and uh do you and also like i don't know i feel like anyone who would be my future anyone who would be my future like uh like if someone was to ever try to like blackmail me they'd be like honey honey wants to start a cult and it'll be like, you know, and I don't, I don't want to start a cult because I'm okay. But like everyone jokes about that. It's fine. A ref for Lisi. I don't even anyway. know. I feel like I don't know enough about Scientology to judge it. I just know. Oh, Leah Remini. We need to show her. We need to show her, Ani. Yeah. Leah Remini's whole thing on Scientology. Fucking crazy. A ref for Lisi. Go ahead, Julie. Ring yourself in. <laughs> Me, it's me. Hi. Um, hi, it's Shalisa. Hi, me. Um, you know, if I was gonna share something about how I'm feeling today, just feeling really grateful, guys. I'm just like so grateful. Um <laughs> like seriously I am. Um what? So that's great. Yeah, thank you. Um yeah, so should we introduce to today's topic? Yeah, today we're going to talk about death and dying. Mm. And I, my question for us, first question is what what is our experience with this so far in life? Because I know I, I've had limited, um, like, I feel like I had a limited encounter with uh, other people dying in my life. Like I've had two grandfathers that have passed away. Um, and some like acquaintance friends and some, some old, old friends, but not in a way that it really like impacted me. I feel like deeply in like a transformative way. Mm. Yeah. That's my question. Jill, you can answer it first. Why? Thank you. Um, I actually, I was going to say this year, but it's a new year. So, um, new year, new me. Um, but I, in the last like eight months experienced, uh, my first like really, really close. Well, last year I experienced two really deep losses in my life for the first time in that way. And, um, the first one actually knocked my legs out. Like I, I think it was like a nerve issue, but like I couldn't walk for multiple days. 
Um, so like I was like physically debilitated. Um, and the second one was just really complicated. It came in different waves and it was a suicide. Um, so for me, like I'm still really grappling with what my relationship is to grieving. It's a really, really weird process. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's something that's newer, newer to me. Um, although I did experience some interesting death in my childhood, which I will talk about today. Wow. What about you, Araf, for Lisi? Thank you for sharing that. I, I can't with the Araf for Lisi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let me read it. Cut that out. Okay. What about you? What about you, Anastasia? <laughs> okay. I got it. <laughs> this is so funny. Okay. Okay, so <clears throat> what about you, Ani? <laughs> oh my god. You gotta just stop asking me. That's what happens when Ani works out before a before recording. <laughs> okay, let me find my center. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So my experience with death and dying is an interesting one, I think. Because I am trained um, and I've dedicated a lot of my life to being of service in this area. So I was a hospice volunteer as well as I've learned um, to priestess these experiences, meaning that I hold the sacred space while, while people while people are dying and after they die. Um, and yeah, it's been a very interesting process and something that's been really close to me for my whole life. When I was a child, like I, Oh, do I want to share? Yeah, I'll share this. This is very, this is personal, but, and I, I don't usually share this because I feel like it, it makes it like, it's like, Ooh, you know, but it's, it's really not, this is very real for me. And it was such a theme in my childhood where I always, always, always thought about death. I was just obsessed with death as a child. And I would constantly have these dreams of people dying in, in the, in various ways. And I would always help them cross over to the other side. Um, and so, and I would, I'm talking like preschool and I would always have the same kind of, uh, experience in those dreams and the same dialogue with the person who was crossing over. And so that in my adult life translated over into people who I would actually come across dying. Um, and when I would go to music festivals, um, I would always be, I would always attract people who were very like out of their mind, like strangers who were like having a bad trip or like someone who was not doing okay. And they would like, one time this girl just literally grabbed my arm and like dug her nails in my arm and I held her and like got help and everything. But I used the same dialogue in my dreams with this person and they ended up being okay. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, it's kind of this thing where like, I've always been someone who felt drawn to work with the crossing over of the worlds, the, yeah, like I, I feel like sometimes I have one foot in this realm and one foot in the other realm, but, um, death is something that I see as so sacred and something that is so feared and just not talked about enough because it's gonna freaking happen. Like it's, you know, and I feel like I know for a fact, I don't feel like I know for a fact that if we accepted death and made it our friend, it will completely fucking revolutionize the way we live in the best way because we are going to die. It everything, everything is going to die. Speak for yourself. 
like it's it's and it's such a glorious thing and um in a lot of ways and it's also terrifying I'm not like yeah I can't wait it's like really scary um and so I started going to these things called death cafes which are anyone can host it there's a website that you can go on um and you can learn how to host these things and they're in a lot of different areas but basically a death cafe is like you have tea and cupcakes and you sit with a group and you talk about death um, because a lot of people are so terrified of it. And it's not like a bereavement group, like you're not crying and or like, you know, sh- you know, grieving together, I should say people cry, but you're not grieving together. Um, you are just simply talking about the fact that you are going to die, any questions you have, any like fears, concerns, because a lot of people who are just diagnosed with something or who are elderly, they're like, hey, I'm actually going to die. And my family won't talk to me about it. And I feel really alone in this. And it's, yeah, it's, it's such a beautiful thing. And it changed the way I live my life, like 100,000% because, you know, having this be like death, be my friend in this way um, and seeing the process of death many times at this point has been uh, truly truly revolutionary and transformative and and makes me feel more alive and so grateful to be alive and and all of the things all the petty stuff just be petty and like what is your legacy like what are you living for like how would you live if you knew you were gonna die well meow (laughs) and so i'm just gonna sign off no i'm just kidding yeah we're just gonna end the episode there thank you ani um Hi. Well, yeah, actually, as I was listening, I was realizing the, I I actually have a lot of experience with death and it was, um, it was it like not family or friends or like less family and friends here in my home in this country, but in my work, I realized like I was doing a lot of work within, um, within that construct and like going to funerals and that were like very political in various places that I was. And, um, and then my last, my last, like the main story that I was working on for a long time and still am is that like, I found contacts with this family, um, from Afghanistan when I was working in Greece and they came over on the refugee route and they actually had a couple kids drown and I was involved in like helping locate, uh, the body of one of the kiddos and helping bury him when they arrived. And I remember that was a really interesting experience with death because I ended up becoming really close with this family very quickly. And I had never met these two kids and I experienced I experienced like a lot of grief around it. And I also experienced like missing them Mm. as I became close with this family over the course of years. And that, yeah, that was uh, something that I'm (laughs) realizing. Actually, I've been, I've been, yeah, in the space of death in a specific professional way that's like a, maybe a little bit more removed but not not actually like I was very kind of enmeshed with the uh, stuff that was happening can you share what you were doing there 
Yeah, I was just covering the refugee crisis as a journalist, as a photo journalist. And uh, I was independent so I could do, I was like working on different stories at once. And that was a one that just kind of came out of the sky and was like, oh, this is for you. Um, And yeah, I've been working on that for, it'll be five years in the fall. Um, But yeah. Death is wild. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It's so interesting. The, the broad range of ways that people um, experience death. I feel like there's, for me, grieving is a process. That's like one of the only processes I've seen. That's so unique. Um, I mean, I think most human processing is unique, but I feel like there's so many, like, there's not like a name for it or a diagnosis. Like you could diagnose someone with like PTSD, depression, anxiety, but like all of that could just be grief. And there's like all these ways that we try to categorize it, but it's just like, you know, I think, I think it's said that we're, we might be the only animals that are conscious of our mortality, which I don't really think is true, but I think we're definitely maybe the mammals that we ha- that have the most time to think about our death. Um, yeah. And that to me is a really big shame. I think the fact that we stop being hunter gatherers like is a shitty <laughs> because <laughs> I think we have way too much time on our hands to think about this. Um, Ooh, and I also just would like to, you know, like sport a toga, but um, <laughs> I just fine. really feel, <laughs> I just really feel like, death is something that I think about all the time and not in a way that's, um, I don't know. There, It's like, for some reason, also the topic of death is always automatically morbid. Um, and it's like, you know, thinking about it, the, the, the morbid part is the way that death happens, but death itself isn't morbid. It's just a transition. Um, I mean, unless, from, you, unless you think it's like the end forever, that then I would think it'd be more, that's like one of the reasons why it used to feel really scary to me. Cause I, I think I, there were, there was like a, a short period in life where I did think the like, Oh, this might just be the end forever. Like you go black, mm-hmm. you know, sorry to interrupt you. No, that's okay. I mean, I think for me <laughs> as a person who obsesses over, not obsesses, but like is very interested in uh, what happens after death that as one of the possibilities isn't the scariest possibility to me. Mm. Um, Mm. So it's harder for me to connect with that. I think thinking about what happens after we die actually for me, puts a lot of pressure on my life. Um, I feel like I have to play the game, right? Do you guys feel that way ever? Like, especially as spiritual people, do you feel like a lot of the stuff that you do in life is because you, I don't know if we've ever talked about if you guys believe in reincarnation or not, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you guys believe in your reincarnation? And if you do, does that impact the way that you live your life? Very interesting question. I do believe in reincarnation. And um, I, regardless of whether or not that was true, like what brings me the deepest pleasure is to show up in this world with integrity and with love, because that's, that's pleasurable to me. Like I love love. So I don't think about it that way. I don't think about like, oh, I'm doing this because I want to get rewarded or like be safe or like whatever that 
you know, experiences. I think about it like my relationship with the afterlife is so primordial and, and like this womb space. It's this, it's this really, um, it's like the night sky in the best way. It's this vastness and it's also this, but it's comforting and it's sweet. And it's like, um, I believe there are infinite um, beings and I believe there's like this, um, like heaven space, but it's not like this cloud, you know, like with, you know, cause the way heaven's described, I find it to be very boring. <laughs> My heaven wouldn't be like that. Um, anyway. So yes, I do believe in reincarnation. No, I don't live my life in accordance to that, but maybe like super, super subconsciously, but, uh, to my, to my conscious self, no. I am just remembering being a kid, uh, like raised Christian and I would, I don't remember being afraid of dying. I remember being afraid of heaven, mm. like heaven freaks me the fuck out like i i i heard all the time that it was this wonderful place and it's so exciting that we get to go there my tiny little brain was like this sounds terrifying mm -hmm. like the creepy and it baby never changed angels. yeah even i will just like the the idea of forever and like bliss mm. and perfection that seemed like a prison Ooh, to me. that's deep <laughs> I remember yeah it's like I didn't I didn't I didn't never talk about it but it was always it was a bedtime going to sleep thought of like I'm supposed to like this and it feels terrible <laughs> I like understand that when I was a kid and I was raised Christian as well um but I was raised Christian in a like in a Catholic school and so the way it was taught to me was not in alignment with like most Christianity mm, yeah. now. It was very, very fear-based. So I want to just clarify that. I have nothing against like Christianity Christianity or Catholicism. Um, but the way it was taught to me was very, very fear-based, very, very scary. And when I was younger, I used to be up all night just worrying about other people dying, not me. I was like, I know I'm good, but what if, and I would run into the nun's office every fucking day and just be like, if I do everything right and I go to heaven, but my dad does something wrong and he goes to hell, I would never be happy in heaven if he's in hell. I just couldn't deal. And I'm like, that would be hell for me. So then which one's heaven and which one's hell? And I, blah, blah, you know, and I'd spiral out of control and I would be like, dad, you can't smoke cigars or you're going to go to hell. <laughs> and then I'll never be happy in heaven. And I'd be like, like throwing up all night. Literally. It was, a, I was a very anxious child. Um, like dreaming about like brutal deaths and just like, worried about my dad dying and going to hell. And it was a lot of pressure. And so I actually devoted a lot of my adult life to healing those parts of me that were really scared of that experience and, um, and the afterlife. But now just, I find it, I just, I just feel really held, which mm. is cool. But yeah, I hear you with like the eternal bliss. It's like Stepford wives. Yeah. And I think that's like a bigger, I think there was something wise in me at least in my own like experience of what I believe now around that that like lack of dichotomy being not making any sense mm -hmm. and I do yeah I believe in reincarnation um 
I think that's like a newer, a newer belief to me, but it's just like what makes the most sense at this point in my life with the different like spiritual experiences and trippy like things that I've um, like seen in dreams and felt. And yeah, I don't know. Does it, does it affect my everyday life? Yeah, for sure. I think like the idea of karma, which is a really, that's a super loaded and uh, like kind of contentious topic. I think you can work with that idea in a way that is really heavy and like sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I've learned, I've learned it being like something that relates to balance and healing and like lines that go across different, different experiences. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm still learning. I'm still learning so much. I think something that does that is like helpful is that it the belief system that I have now is very freeing. It allows me to take my own life both like more lightheartedly and more seriously, like at the same time, if that makes yeah. sense. I f- yeah, that's yeah. a gift of spirituality, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jill? Um, me? This chili? Who, me? Um, is it me? Um, I definitely believe in reincarnation. I was introduced to the idea after I left the Christian church, um, when I was, um, maybe at the age of 11, after I'd left the Christian church, um, or me and my mom had left the Christian church and I decided to be a Buddhist and like researched about it and was obsessed with it. How old Um, were you? Yeah, like 11. Okay. Um, really researching Buddhism as well. (laughs) Like, like floor covered in Buddhist books, like so cute. Um, and yeah, I was just, I can't remember like my immediate reaction to it, but I just remember it made so much sense to me. Um, and I really liked it. I really liked the idea. I just, I was, I really loved Buddhism. I was really, um, I just felt really connected to it. And so reincarnation, although I I don't identify as specifically Buddhist anymore, even though I use a lot of Buddhist practices, reincarnation is definitely one of the ideas that I will carry with me, I think, for the rest of my life, even if, you know, my relationship to it as like a law ebbs and flows. um, Just the idea of it, I think, is so important to me. And it definitely rules everything that I do, actually. Um, yeah, because for me, it's wrapped up in life purpose and it's wrapped up in like, I don't, and this is actually the the next question I wanted to ask you all, which might be intense, but do you guys want to, do you want to come back? Because the idea with reincarnation is that you can like basically ascend and not have to like come back as a human. And I wouldn't choose to come back. Like, I don't want to come back as a human. I don't want to come back to like living in human's body. Um, And so that's a huge incentive for me to live the life the way that I do um but I mean in terms of yeah no I want to ask you guys what you think about that like do you if you in terms of reincarnation like would you want to come back as a human do you are you okay with like coming back and having to relearn lessons and stuff like that I mean if that's what I gotta do I'm totally, I'm game. I love being a human. I love this place. I love eating food and like 
making love and, and belly laughing and trying to figure things out. Um, but also at the same time, if I don't need to come back, then like I I'm game, like, you know, it's, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I love being on earth. I really do. I really like it here, (laughs) even though it's so chaotic and there's so much wrong and it's really hard. It's really fucking hard being a human. Kind of like, especially knowing that or feeling that there are other options. Like it's hard to be a human. And I think a lot of people like work really hard to convince themselves that they're not fully human and maybe they're not, but I am a human being. And, um, I trust that whatever higher power put me in this body will take me out of it whenever it's time. And also if I need to come back and learn something like I'm totally down, maybe because I love learning. I'm in like four programs right now. It's like excessive. But um, anyway, my point is I'm down to come back if that's what I need to do. You girls got to do what you girls got to do, you know? (laughs) I think I have a really, I would say a limited grasp of that question in the state that I'm in right now. Like, I think I do have, I do believe that we, we have a soul and that it wants to learn and experience more. Um, and I think that like, yeah, life on earth is particularly intense and it's like particularly, uh, the, the spectrum of experience and how far those spectrums go um, is very, very like motivating both to stay and to leave. Mm. (laughs) Um, And I think, I don't know, I've had, I've had so many different ideas of, Oh, I don't ever want to come back here. And Oh yeah, I want to do this again. I think in this moment right now, I don't even know. I don't have a, a strong connection to answering that question. That's like, mm. I feel like when we all signed up to come back down here, all three of us, we were like, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously? Like, especially you, Jaleesa. I feel like you were like, yeah, really? <laughs> like, okay. Like if you, I mean, if you like insist, like, I guess I'll do that. But like, okay. <laughs> I just, yeah. I just experienced a thing called quantum healing hypnosis, which maybe we should talk about it in another episode. It was really wild. Um, one of the things that I came away with was this really deep feeling and experience of how we come to feel. Like we come to understand and we come to have shit happen to us. And it's the spectrum. Again, it's like you don't come to have one thing happen you come to have a spectrum of of experience and that the fullness of what we can understand because we've had both pain and pleasure because we've grieved and had joy and there's 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 something energetically that's really powerful about that fullness Mm -hmm. that we can't get yeah we can't get with like bliss which is something I think in my life, especially in this last year, I'm like, I would consider myself in a really like dark time, dark season of life currently. And 
it's something that I'm, I don't have a lot of words for it, but it, yeah, like darkness, shadow work. And it's, it's deeply, deeply good. Mm. I want to say, even though it's deeply unpleasant and deeply painful, there's something that's really important about um, what I'm experiencing. I think that's the fascinating thing about death is that like, we have to have death to have life, life. Um, and we have to have pain to have bliss or whatever, you know, like these yeah. ends of the spectrum, which, you know, could not be true. You know, those dichotomies, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, cause we just did an episode on good, of, good and evil. That was intense. And we're like, are do dichotomies exist? I don't know, but I do know that death is crucial to life. And you see that in the ecosystems of yeah. this planet. Um, and I think, you know, every time we go through dark periods of life where it's usually because parts of us are dying or parts of the ways that we've seen ourselves or the world are dying and it's a grieving process. And like, you know, all of us have dealt with death, even if it's not of a human life, a lot of times it's like of a relationship of a way yeah. we've seen ourselves of the way other people see us of a job of, uh, you know, a home, like something like that. Um, and we don't really acknowledge those things as death. And I think actually breakups, like when you're with someone for a certain amount of time, when you break up, um, your brain actually processes it the same way that it does like a death, like an actual death. Um, and we don't talk about that and we don't, we don't offer people resources that for, for grieving in either situation of like a a human life being lost and like losing someone that you love just out of your life, maybe not out of the world. We don't have resources for these things. Like I remember when I was grieving really heavily, like right after my friend passed away and I was just sort of reaching, like, I don't, I don't know, like, I don't know what other people can do for me. I don't know what to ask for. There's no handbook. There's no guidance. And like, I went to the spiritual store and I found this little elf help book, which is the cutest thing in the world. Um, and it had all these, like, it was written by, I believe it's like a Catholic book. It's like about God. And there's like these little elves helping each other grieve. And it's really cute. And I was like, cool. So this and this, the cure song are the only things that I really have right now. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of like resources, because people in your life around you are obviously very important, but in terms of like when you're on your own, cause people can't usually be around you 24 seven. Um, and how confusing it is to, to come face to face with death. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think, do you guys remember the first time you like really came face to face with death like whether it was like a relationship or a thing or like something where you're like oh this is like a really deep loss Hmm. well before i answer that question just before we moved on for from some of the stuff you said i want to speak to a couple of things you said um which was grief um and you've mentioned this a few times because it's obviously very important because grief is the, well, I think the most mysterious emotional experience we can have mm. because it wears so many different faces and it's mm. so unique. And a lot of the times people who are grieving also carry a lot of shame because they don't think they're doing it right. That's been, you know, my mm. lived experience and also the people I work with, because this is exactly why the lack of resources and conversation around grief and about like this transition is why I've dedicated a lot of my life to it. 
And I hold, I teach rituals for grief because that to me is the way to connect with it in a contained space um, and just to be with it. And so, you know, that it's, it's so mysterious. Like everyone does this so, so, so differently. And um, yeah. So I, I wanted to say that first because grief is something that can knock you on your fucking ass more so than it's like you that's when you actually feel like you're in between worlds like what just happened your whole world got shaken up and my mom always used to tell me death is actually harder for the people who are living than anyone else Mm -hmm. um which was also really comforting and like when i was grieving certain things like to answer your question jaleesa i think the first experience that I've really had with death, you know, was when I was younger and dreaming about it all the time. And also just like even facing, like learning about death and, you know, heaven and hell and all that kind of stuff was a death of innocence for me in a big Mm. way at a very, very, Mm -hmm. very young age. That was, there was a lot of grieving there just for that experience. And then it was actually about death. And then I was like, oh my gosh. Um, so I was like on a quest my whole life to figure out like, you know, cause death scared me the most. And so I was like, I want to be so close to it because I refuse to live my life in fear of this thing. And so, um, yeah, I, I would watch, um, all of these documentaries about people who died and were resuscitated and they all have the same story, which is interesting. They all in this documentary I watched, they all, left their bodies. And then they looked at their bodies from like upwards, like looking down at their bodies. And they're like, Oh, fuck, like, I need that thing. But then like, after like, you know, 10 seconds, they're like, damn, like, this feels kind of good, you know, and they would be like, Oh, like, I really like this. And then they would like go to all these different places at once, because some one of my teachers told me that to be in a physical body is actually hellish for a soul, like it feels really not great. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. That was just a really interesting perspective. So these people would go to many different places at once. And then when they were resuscitated, they didn't really want to be. They were like, I like this. <laughs> like, this feels really good. And then um, they, when they were back to their bodies, like one guy was like shot by the KGB or something. And like he was in the hospital and he went up to the maternity ward of the hospital and the baby talked to him as he was dead and was like, they broke my they broke my bone. I forgot which one it was. And so when he was resuscitated, he came back and he like ran up to the maternity, well ran. Um, he made his way up to the maternity ward and was like, that baby's bone is broken. And it was another lady like saw her sister drop groceries on the floor. She called up her sister and her sister's like, I'm cleaning the groceries up off the floor. Yeah. Ani, with what you're talking about with not grieving correctly, that really resonates with me because when my friend had died, like, you know, I've been doing really intense spirit really intense spiritual work for um quite a while now and um i just remember feeling like if i didn't have my spiritual tools i don't know like i don't know how people do this without being spiritual i don't know how people do this without having these tools because yeah the one thing that i felt was like i felt really upset i felt really especially at being a suicide it felt really jarring but there was this piece of me that just felt him and knew that he was okay and knew that he was better now. Mm. Um, And so there was this peace that I felt around him and around his passing that I felt guilty for because I was like, 
well, shouldn't I be like enraged and upset and wanting all these answers? And like, you know, my, my other friends who knew him, um, shouldn't I feel like them? And it's, it, it was complicated because it feels like you're supposed to be a mess for longer or you're supposed to be, um, worse off than you are. You're supposed to be better than you are at certain points or you're supposed mm-hmm. to know what you want. And it's like, none of those things are actually true. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think the way also we as a society handle death is a really great reflection of a lot of the problems in our society. Um, like there's an expectation, there's like a time limit. Like we have like a grieving time limit off work. Like all of these, all of these things are really, um, strange and, I loved the way certain cultures, like all different cultures obviously had different ways of grieving. And a lot of them, they put the body on display. They would actually put it on the table and eat around the body. Like they would like, you know, it was, it's, it's so wild how disconnected we are from death, how disconnected we are from grieving, mm-hmm. how disconnected, you know, and it's, it highlights a lot of the disconnection we have in all of society in all of our worlds right now. Um, and I think that like, I want to live in a world where death is like as celebrated as birth. I want to live in a world where, where death isn't this like, you know, obviously it brings up everything. It brings up everything. It's a portal. It's like a a literal portal and it, it surfaces all of it. And, um, the process of dying is like, let's numb everyone out as much as we possibly can which I'm not bashing because some people need that. Um, but it, it does show a lot of our own complete disconnect to our relationship to something that's inevitable and something that's real and something that is very sacred. And my experience with holding space for people who are dying is that they die the same way they live. So most people in my experience don't have like a huge moment where they're like totally like just completely changed right before they die. Um, we have the same thoughts. We have the same personality, like we're just dying and you do die alone. Like, um, you do. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. So that's why the most important thing in my life and what I think the most important thing in life is, is to truly know yourself, to truly be with yourself, because that is, how you die as well. It's to be with yourself. And that is God. There you go. Okay. No. And that was well, another episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying like such a white heart because the only thing written on the temple of Delphi was know thyself and nothing in excess. Know thyself is everything. It is the one way that we can learn what our what our karma is, what our dharma is, what our experience in this life could be without the societal stuff getting in the way. It's the way we, we can have a peaceful death um, because we've we've known that we lived this life with all of our hearts and all of our souls. We showed up. We got to do the damn thing. We grabbed this life by the horns. That is why I've completely dedicated my life to helping people not only grieve and have their own mini deaths in this life, but to also like live this life with absolutely every single fucking thing that you have, because this is so precious. Like this is so precious. Being around death made me realize how fucking precious this life is. And like, I live for all the people who have already died. 
because I get to be here right now. And I know how sacred that is. And that's just like really powerful to me and like is what keeps me going on the, on the days where I wake up and I can't turn off my thoughts and it's really intense and I don't feel good and I don't want to be here. And that's the thing that keeps me going. I'm going to cry. I'm, I'm emotional now. So there's We love that. an emotional queen. Come on, Ani. You just gave I, us a sermon. Go ahead. Let it out. I'm like, well, <laughs> I want to be wearing like my sermon outfit, which would be all, all sequins <laughs> and rainbow. Oh, like, also, I just God. want this to be like recorded and like documented. When I do die, I have very specific requirements. I've already written all this out actually as an initiation. And I know what they are. <laughs> Yeah, you better. I'm like, you, you all better. If anyone comes to my funeral wearing black, they are not allowed. <laughs> and I want you to wear like rainbow glitter, like just look like you're going to like Burning Man. And I want, um, I want very specific things like when I am being honored and everyone's like about to walk away, they think it's over. They're like crying. All of a sudden you hear the beginning of Ain't No Mountain High Enough by Diana Ross. Like, <laughs> and then it's like, and I'm like, ooh. And then someone is to lift up my leg with a string, like as if I'm doing a hike. <laughs> someone and, is and I'm too. wearing I'm wearing a full gown. And like that's it. And um do not do not fuck up my makeup. And I trust both of you to choose my selfies. That will be shown. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna be alive. Okay, we needed to not talk about this anymore. But we do need to wrap up. <laughs> out but i'm just saying like i have very strict requirements and i i want to invite anyone who's listening like that was obviously partly a joke um but anyone who is listening i invite you as an initiation into being comfortable with death to write out what you want your funeral to be like to write out you know what you want where you want your stuff to go because we have most people our age don't do that you know and i'm like i want to invite everyone to do that to make to make just to plant the seed that it's going to happen and you never know when your time is. Is this harsh? <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, it's funny because this came up the other day at the museum because people like there's so many like retrospectives or like these like people make um, like museum exhibits out of dead people's stuff. And we don't even know if that's how they would actually want their work, work exhibited. We don't know if that's that's the those are the frames they would want. And so, you know, I think it helps us live to to know how we want to die. It helps us live to know how we want to be honored when we die. So I don't think that's I don't think that's too much at all. Yeah. Yeah. Death is uh, a friend. It really is. And it's scary and it's a lot and it brings up everything and brings up everything when you're dying and it brings up everything when you're witnessing death. Um, and it's to be honored. I just think it's to be honored. And it's also to be um, celebrated. Like, I I want to get back to those times, you know? One thing I, I am thinking about, I like what you said, Jaleesa, about how, the death of things and experiences and relationships. And in that department, I feel like I've had a lifetime of yeah. experiences. A uh, life of like, death, yeah. Yeah, like having having dreams young and going after them and being having like a life where I was cultivating a certain trajectory and having that trajectory land me uh, in like mental health crisis and then actively turning away from 
from so much of what I loved and like actively watching it die. Like, like, yeah, letting it die. I don't know if I killed it. I like let it die. And I let so many different, I've let so many different things um, die in my life, especially in the last like three years. And I think coming, like trusting that process, even though it's really excruciating, um, has helped me, has helped me allow more death. (laughs) It's not, it's not particularly like pleasant, but it is this really like rich psychic ecosystem Mm -hmm. in my soul that allows for movement of things. And I think of like my last relationship that was, uh, my last romantic partnership that was wonderful and transformative and like the deepest, deepest partnership I've ever had. And I think my ability to, to move on from that and actively choose, choose to let it die. Wow. That's intense. It like, it was a result of trusting that process a lot in different times and experiences before and knowing like, to get to the point where you don't have to have something go toxic to know that it's time to let it go Mm. is like, I'm going to toot my own horn. Like that is a certain level of maturity that I'm really proud of. And it doesn't translate to every single thing in my life, but that's like, that's something I'm proud of. And that is like, it's a marker of death and trusting that it's an important piece of life. (laughs) I love that Kelly. That's so, so, so powerful. And I know we have to wrap up, so I'll keep this quick, but, um, yeah, I love that you said that. And that's also why I love cyclical living. And so whether it's the moon phases, whether it's your menstrual phase, like your, your hormone phases, whether it's the seasons, like it reminds us that we have these deaths and these opportunities to shed before things get toxic before, Mm -hmm. or like whenever it's coming up for you, you can actually consciously let there be a death. You can allow yourself to grieve. You can be in this void and you don't have to, I think one of the most, uh, detrimental things that we as a collective do is we try to hurry up through the death. We try to hurry up through the winter um, we want to go right towards spring because we're such a summer obsessed culture that we yeah. love, we love blossoming. We love fruition. We love things happening, booming. Like that's how we do it, you know? And the second there's a death, it feels like failure. It feels scary. It feels like, you know, every it's counterintuitive to everything that we have been trained to strive for. And so when we actually honor these periods and we're in it, that's the only way that we can have a spring. That's the only way that we can have a fruitful summer is if you honor the winter. You let the fall come and shed, 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 and then you be in the stillness of it all. And that is how to be alive is you have to be dead to be alive in that way. And this is why Ani is the priestess of transitions. (laughs) Book her for all of your, um, all of your times of need. (laughs) All of your times of need. Well, Um, I just think that's just something, something worth investing in like in your in your knowledge and in your experience just go in there just go in there you know yeah yeah well for those of you who have come to the end of this episode thank you so much for hanging out with us this is heavy um i think 
this is the whole point of this podcast is to talk about these issues and make them lighthearted and, you know, talk about Ani wearing sequins for in her casket. Um, and I think, you know, this is what life is about is, I mean, this is what we get to do with our lives because we are not hunter gatherers, unfortunately, um, is we, <laughs> I'm like so upset. Um, <laughs> is that we get to talk about these things. We get to explore them while we're still alive. We get to like learn and, and transform and embrace these things. So thank you so much for listening. Please hit us up on the socials um, at fun, but heavy. We have an email fun, but heavy at gmail.com. If you want to tell us something or if you want to um, give us an episode idea, if you want to ask us something or something and the episode sparked something in you, we would love to hear from you. Um, yeah. Gals. And we've been loving, we've been loving all of the episode suggestions y'all have been sending in too. So keep those coming. They're put on, sure. they're on the list. They're on the list. They're coming. They're on the list. We love you so much. We love you. Then another episode of fun. No, no, no. But, 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 but heavy. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Enjoy, mamas. Goodbye. Bye.